down buddy yeah but i mean wow long <laughs> intro <laughs> it is but we can always talk over it and then i can just have it fade out that's true but i mean our our listeners are busy they have lives to lead they don't need to hear, hear us sing hear me sing yeah but they're coming to us so that they can get the quick scoop without having to like dig into it themselves hopefully or both i hope they i hope it's both yeah that's true so uh what's our uh topic well, you told me very recently about something I should have been clued into, but I've been like nose down into client projects this week, which is the public video that Claris put up on the, the roadmap of new features coming out. Yes, they, had, they, have, they were promoting a webinar. I did not attend the webinar, but fortunately, FileMaker being the new company that it is, is was very forthcoming with their information and they put it they put the first one that they recorded right onto youtube in fact we have a link if you want to go look at this for yourself rather than giving you the uh x13nv capital n ma youtube link i -hmm. have an easier link for you if you want to be able to jump right to this if you happen to be at a computer if you're driving please don't go if you're driving but uh you can use this url fm go.to that's fmgo.to and then slash fm roadmap 2019 so that's fm r-o-a-d-m-a-p 2019 you have to remember the https colon <laughs> forward slash forward slash wait 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 are we doing a tech <laughs> podcast where people oh, know what they're doing or <laughs> yeah well if it was a tech podcast we would be saying backslash backslash because so many people don't know the difference between those things but that's not a backslash <laughs> it's a forward slash i know that's why it's funny <laughs> okay so they had a number of it was the podcast i'll give you a general i did watch the whole thing 55 minutes long yeah, yeah. So hopefully I can save you some time. It's mm-hmm. it's it, it was a general podcast which was it's a marketing piece. There and well I should say it's a combination marketing piece and here's what we're doing. And the here's what we're doing is what we're typically interested in as the uh developers and interested in the technology. The marketing promo speak like hey, we'd like to do this and we'd like to have this and things like that. You're like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. Or I should say, I'm that type of person. But we're going to go through this, and we're just going through the uh, slides that they talked about. Um, It was introduced or is provided by a number of the people, introduced by Sereni, and then um, provided by all the different uh, product, current product managers, um, I believe. And Rick Kalman was in there, and Robert Holsey, and I believe uh, her name is Sangita, but I don't know her last name. Newer, I'll have to uh, mm-hmm. become familiar with these newer people that have joined FileMaker. But let's go to the first one. I'm right at about like the 12-minute mark, and it's their Cloud First, which they've been promoting a lot. And we can just sort of take these one by one. Are you there, Matt? I am. All right. 
So create new apps directly on the cloud and directly download from FCC. I forget Sangeeta had mentioned what that stood for, but um, we're getting we're going to be getting into acronymville here. Essentially, this is they want you to create uh, FileMaker uh, solutions in the cloud. So basically, right. they've got something that will use the cl- uh, use a version of the client or something, and just create the file on FileMaker Cloud, and then you just open it within client, and you can just start to build on that. That's really cool. I mean, what I I, I only ever develop on hosted databases. So pretty much what I always do is just make an empty file, give it a name, uh, encrypt it at rest if it's, you know, if it's, if that's warranted, which it usually is. Um, and and they are doing the that, by the way, they are doing that by default. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Those are also very good things. So, you know, then, then you're in a secure hosted file on a server with backups and all the other stuff set up. So they're actually taking it one step further by actually allowing you to create the file. I love it. I think it's a good it's a good move. Yep. And that also, I mean, this this is a general slide that may be covering all of their cloud offerings. Since it's more than just FileMaker, this probably also applies to their uh, the fact that uh, Claris Connect, which that you don't even have an offline version currently, although I believe right. they may be doing a, a mobile client, sort of like if this, then that. Mm-hmm. Um, next one, uh, integration support, single sign-on. Okay, that we've already got that. We've got OAuth providers. We currently have, I think, three of them. It's Amazon, Google, and Azure. Um, they are going to add more. She uh, has listed in here Okta, which I have not heard of myself, Ping, yeah. a- uh, Azure AD, and then, of course, Apple Federated Identity. So just more uh, single sign-on providers wherever you're going to put that they're just going to support more. Yeah, but I mean, it really, like on their cloud offering, what they really have is the FileMaker ID as single sign-on, which Correct. is, it's cool. One of its best cool features, um, I think. Um, integration with existing on-premise Active Directory. Now, what's really nice is that is, uh, if you have your local Active Directory, we would have to get some clarification, but if you were able to use that as your uh, your point of entry in order to get into FileMaker Cloud? I don't know. I was a little unclear um, on how that works. Uh, but it says existing on-premise. But I thought we already have Active Directory support. Open Directory, Active Directory, we've already got that for FileMaker Server. Yeah, we've had that forever, ever. But it's not... FileMaker Cloud does not offer it right now. Yeah, so I would have to assume that what think. they mean by the integration, and that you can you can listen, don't take my word for it if I'm guessing here. You can listen to the whole 55 minutes if you want, but maybe you can use your Active Directory directory in order to get onto FileMaker Cloud. Who knows? Don't know. I Web- think the, 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 the bigger thing with just the overall Cloud First is that when they introduce new products, it's going to be under their Cloud plat- new uh, technologies into their products. It's going to be on the Cloud platform before it comes to the what we would call on-prem, which is not really accurate because... We don't, you know, only a handful of our customers are on-prem. They're almost all hosted in AWS on regular Windows servers. Yep. In fact, uh, the whole, uh, this whole notion, one of the things that FileMaker developers really should become familiar with has existed in the arena of what's called DevOps. And DevOps, in terms of the terminology, quote-unquote, has been around for quite some time. I was first exposed to it through the world of Drupal because I run the magazine website using a Drupal site, and a lot of enterprises were using Drupal, I don't know, it's almost like a decade ago. And the notion that you need to become familiar with is what they call 
Dev Staging Production. It's a three-stage process, which you do not always have all three parts. You don't always necessarily have a staging. There are many smaller companies that you will have a development, and then you will just go straight to production. But when you have mission-critical applications, you will almost always have that middle area of the staging where you will do your, your development. You'll have a dev server. You'll move that over to a staging server. Staging server is where you will do quality control, and you will maybe you can also use it for beta testing. And then once you can confirm that you can make a successful jump from staging to production, that's when you'll move it over because otherwise you don't touch production you it's downtime is like bad yeah we have clients who use that model so been around for a while but i know there yeah. are some filemaker developers that they they haven't used that they just some filemaker developers you know they'll put filemaker up on a server and like oh you need changes i log in and i make my changes directly and we're done i would submit that for most clients that's a perfectly workable way to do it yeah like if you've got like you know because filemaker's bread and butter is like five ten users and that means it's only going to, you know, be affecting a couple of people. True. Yikes. And, you know, I'm wonder. I, it'll be really interesting, actually, to hear from uh, FileMaker Corporate whether they start to denounce the fact that that's one of the easiest things that you can do in FileMaker. Because one of the things they do have, which is they've already released in another video, too, is they've got their new, the XML format is going to allow for patching. Or, for, in essence, doing isolated separate development, then applying that XML patch to your production server. So you really don't have to do your development on a live hosted production server, but you still can. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, Webhooks for data. What else jumped out to you on this slide? Because some of this is not as exciting as the rest of it. Yeah, APIs to upload and uh, schema upgrade, um, migration, that actually implies they're patching. Unified customer console, that's a marketing piece where you're, they're going to have uh, you know, a customer console and the admin console. They're going to put that in one console. I don't know whether they have that in both now. Um, On-premises Linux server. VM, Unified Console. Now, this is listed in their cloud first, but in an upcoming slide, they did announce in this roadmap, and just the podcast just before, I was lamenting the fact that they were potentially going to be keeping the good stuff for themselves. They are going to make Linux available for on-premises, meaning we will have access to Linux. So now this is one of those places where you would push the little applause button on your little effects box because that's the the great. the the, the <laughs> that one. Yeah. That's that's huge. That oh my gosh. I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean I I, I don't really have problems with running all the Windows servers. A lot of applause, huh? A lot of applause. <laughs> And, and the price is actually pretty small. AWS charges more, or well, I guess Microsoft charges for uh, licenses, but it can be as little as a few five bucks a month, something like that, for a, a license of Windows Server. But the, it gets up. Uh, the bigger the server, the the bigger the delta. So they charge kind of based based on the CPU power. Yep. Um, so there's there's going to be a real money saving aspect of it. 
uh, I don't think there's really a significant difference in performance. I'm actually very interested to see if there is, because you are typically able to get away with specs a little bit less on Linux than equivalent. Yeah, than RAM what would be the equivalent on Windows. Yeah, I'll give you that. But really, FileMaker server is what's doing all of the work anyway, and it's gonna it's pretty light. Um, I don't know. That'll be really interesting to see. But there's there's a lot of reasons why it's going to be a good idea to be able to run Linux servers. Yep. Not, not am, just POST. I'm very excited because, I mean, our, that's most of what I run for everything outside of the few FileMaker servers that I have to run their Windows. If I can get all Linux, I'm happy. <laughs> so, yeah, plugins, they're gonna, there's gonna, that's going to be a new hurdle for the plugin developers. They're going to have to be able to write one that will execute on that version of server because presumably uh, that will be a feature. Probably a compile issue. They just uh, compile. Yeah. I mean, most of them are doing their stuff in C, C++. I remember it. It's been a really long time. <laughs> but they used to have a, a Linux version of FileMaker Server that wasn't very popular. It was like, well, that was just because a lot of the FileMaker oh, market 15? didn't use Linux. I think I want to say it was like 5 or something. Yeah. FileMaker 5, I think. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. So... I used it, uh, and for a while it lasted, but then it yeah. was so short. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's pretty exciting. Multi-tenant partner console. So this is one thing that they're, they know that there are some people who develop solutions that the only point of contact that a customer has is they just use the solution. They don't actually... They didn't go hire a developer, and then that developer puts it on a FileMaker server... They're just a customer that just uses a FileMaker solution. So that's pretty nice that they're putting into their console the ability that if you want to sell a solution, you can sell that solution and just have multiple people come in and use that in a multi-tenant model. So you, of course, have to design your solution for multi-tenant support too, but mm -hmm. that's what they're going to offer through their uh, FileMaker web console, I guess. That's pretty interesting. So uh, yeah, they've got very, regional very well. support. Next one. Let's. What's their next slide here? Their next slide. I'm at like 1444 where they talk about web and mobile. Yeah. So web authoring and consumption that we sort of know is coming. They're, they've talked about Claris next. Um, right. Yeah. So basically, this is getting rid of the FileMaker Pro desktop application and having clients basically only use WebDirect and also do all your development on the web interface. Well, that's, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. That's a very interesting topic. Yeah, it is. Um, they also, let's just walk through that little list there. They've got relative positioning that they're talking about. Now, when they say relative positioning, they're typically talking about the UI. That in mm -hmm. the web, a, the since the web is responsive first, everything flows and you have these blocks. And when one block gets close to another block, but there isn't enough width in the browser to show them, then that one block to the right drops below the block to the left. Right. Um, JavaScript support, well, duh, that's implied. You can't have relative positioning and do anything in the web unless you're doing it with JavaScript. Um, templates, add-ons, and JavaScript components, all clients. Big. And card support. And those are all under web. So basically all of these that they listed in the web are pretty much going towards the direction that they're taking development, client 
And then also, yeah. like, their whole console is already based on Node. All of, all of the stuff they're doing for web feels to me like they're not going to be using any of the engine of the current WebDirect, but they're going to be doing something very different. Does that feel like that to you? If I had to guess, since they already have Node in there, and Node is just basically running a big chunk of the web, I would be surprised if they're not going to be using Node. Okay. Um, they'll be using Node and some other technology for the front end in terms of what the developer interacts with. But um, I, I just I'm, I can't wrap my brain around, I mean, how they would get to feature parity with what we're used to in the fat client right now to what they want to do on the web. That's a lot of development. And if they can make it happen, props to them. But, I mean, we're so used to our comfortable little environment, our nice little UI. Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, think about the, uh, the amount yeah. of productivity that people might potentially lose. I don't want to be a Mr. Downer on this because no, I love that. the direction. I'm, but Weirdly, I'm actually not worried about that at all. Uh, I would so welcome the change. And I still think that the core FileMaker is still going to be what it is, but there's just going to be these other widgets. I guess we'll have to really see how much, like, whether these new JavaScript components and add-ons are going to be things I really, really want, you know. I, and I feel sure that they are. But I, I've, if I look at my development now and where I spend my time, especially on UI stuff and what tools I use on the layout compared to, I don't know, four years ago, I use such a different array of tools now and such a reduced set of tools. Well, it'll be, it'll be very, I'm very interested in look and seeing what happens. Um, mostly because if you look at any environment, the investment that a person has made into being proficient in an environment, that's key. So, I mean, just take mm -hmm. key bindings as an example. The, the mnemonics that you've associated to the key sequences that you use in order to get things done quickly will have yep. to be there in that other environment as well. Otherwise, you're going to feel the pain of change and people then complain when that change has to happen. Oh, that's so true. Like just you know, the, when you're in a script or calculation typing certain things and you know the, like the starts with first letter of each thing, you know. Exactly. The inspector. Yeah. When they yes. took away the floating inspector and they docked it onto the side, I'm still feeling the pain that it's I can't see just the pure window. If I, I have to oh, either yeah. hide or show the fields, hide or show the the, uh, the object inspector, and the inspector is anchored, I'm like, I can hide the inspector and I can open another one, but they didn't implement it so that it was very comfortable. And, right. Ugh. I, I generally like it, but the problem I have is I have two monitors, and when I open up the inspector and I have the window, the regular window up on the left... When I go to layout mode, it extends the part of the inspector over on my second layout, which exactly. seems like a bug. Exactly. Or or you're working on your layout, and you're working on a layout that uh, you've maybe you're using a smaller monitor. I have a second monitor to the side, which is set for 1080 on purpose so that I can do a design for a, a smaller form factor. Well, you open it over there, and then the, the panels just extend off the edge of the screen. You're just like, oh, suck it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you messed with my environment. That's <laughs> uh, true. But, you know, we're... I, we're I love that there's things that bother you that don't bother me and vice versa. I know. I mean, it's totally interesting. Yeah. 
and we're so old fogies. Um, on the uh, podcast that I listened to with Jeremy Brown, uh, Todd could not stop calling it script maker. Oh, <laughs> we're like script yeah. maker. It's not script maker anymore. There's no yeah. maker with scripts. It is the scripting workspace. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. All right, we derailed. That's true. We. We don't, we don't ever do that. Okay, this next slide I totally love. Not the, not the next slide, but the mobile part has four bullets. Support for core ML models stored in container fields. Mm, okay. Read NFC tags. Mm, okay. Siri NLP shortcuts for support on iOS. Mm, okay. Android. Dun, dun, dun. Here, let me like, get it again. <laughs> so they're shorter like, this time. So they're... They leave that as the last one? That's kind of a Steve Jobs thing. Oh, one more thing. <laughs> well, you know what? If you listen to, if you watch the video at that point in time, it is just a drop. They just, I, I don't know if Robert's the one uh, mentioning it at this point in time, but he, it's just like, oh yeah, and we're looking into Android. So this is their roadmap. It's stuff that they're they right. would like to do. The they're, not, they're not saying we're going to have this yeah. in six months. They're not saying we're going to have it in a year, but we're mm -hmm. like... Just the acknowledgement that, yeah, yeah, Android's pretty big. Sure, we're going to build a client for that, but that's all we're going to say. Right. Okay, please, 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 please. Okay, but I, <laughs> what I'm excited about is that they've actually said something. Because every time you've ever asked them, the response has always been, we won't talk about it officially, but we are owned by Apple and we're not going to be, you know, don't don't expect us to see Android anytime in the future, but there's no official statement about why or or whether and so that's the first time that word is appeared on the slide of, uh, of something that they actually intend to look into. I'm excited by it. Okay, don't, so here's my guess. Don't harsh my buzz. Here's my guess <laughs> why they can say that. So the two different environments, iOS, obviously you've got Swift or Objective-C, and then on Android, it's predominantly you're building in Java. You can use in, you, other things, but the OS, as far as I understand, it's predominantly uh, based on Java. If they go with JavaScript and Node and whatever else, there's a lot of, I, I believe the term is correct, where you can use a transpiler to take like your JavaScript code and flip that into what ends up being native mm -hmm. on the platform. And so I believe you have transpilers that if they go in the direction where their clients are unified, which it looks like they're trying to do, using mm -hmm. JavaScript and the client itself, they can now transpile straight for Android or for iOS, either one. Which is, there's um, uh, a friend of mine, Louis de la Parra, he uh, got, he, they're releasing a product called Dropship, which is going to be a clipboard manager for FileMaker, and it's pretty cool. He developed yeah. it in an application called Electron. Electron will take JavaScript and it will make it into native applications. So there are applications that probably most of you use which you don't know, are built in Electron, which is JavaScript under the hood. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be text editors. But Matt and I, we're talking on Skype right now. Skype was built in Electron. You're probably chatting with Slack. Slack was built within Electron. Hmm. Uh, and so Louis, he used Electron for this dropship. And JavaScript, oh my gosh, it's just... Scary for some of us, for, for FileMaker developers, but mm -hmm. it's it's... It would give us Android client. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's a good thing. Oh yeah. Okay. So those are I think those are probably the two most exciting things to me 
in so far, at least in here. Uh, we'll see what else is coming. But Linux server potential and Android client potential. Yep. Big, All right. big for me. Um, let's see. I talked about Claris Connect. I'm still dying to play with that. Yeah, it's going to be... You know what will be interesting about that is how they release. I mean, they're really... They've got the lead-up time. They're not ready for prime time yet, I guess. It'll be coming. But they've been asking us all the way going back to DevCon, all right, hey, you 50,000, hey, you 50,000, you got to get into this, you got to do this. I don't know how big their beta program is. I'm not on it, but uh, it'll be interesting. I There's not going to be, as far as I would be able to guess, an immediate client or easy way to use Connect within FileMaker development. You're going to have to use standard API access like you do with everything else using insert from URL and curl. But the ability to build the flows, that'll be really easy because that'll be all within the web and I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Uh, what they list for it is an advanced dashboard, a template creator, serial workflows, uh, new flow authoring. So we don't have a point of reference here. They, it says UI change, but I haven't seen what it was before. Uh, data storage, code blocks, connector kit. Uh, this is under enhanced program programmability. A connector kit, a flow API, and then a data trigger for FileMaker. Now, we can... Uh, like do, that. We can do some thinking here. An iOS client for uh, Siri shortcuts integration. So there you go. They are going mm -hmm. to do an iOS client like if this and that for um, Claris Connect. Which would be uh, on iOS, you'd be able to integrate between FileMaker Go and the uh, Claris Connect uh, iOS client if you wanted to. But of course, if you have direct access to the API, then no problem. You can just do that straight from within FileMaker. Yeah. Um, interesting. The flow API is hitting me. Really? Yeah. Um, what this presumes is that you would be able to, in th not in theory, but you would probably be able to make a file, build into your FileMaker solution the ability to generate Claris Connect uh, sequences. If they provide an API that allows you to create a Claris Connect flow or a sequence of events, then you would be able to do that within FileMaker and give people that opportunity. So you can make like a, if you want a customer who's going to use your FileMaker solution, but you are going to tell them, okay, go set up a MailChimp account, and then they go back into FileMaker Go, they're going to be able to just click a button that comes up with a little uh, card window and says, put in your credentials, and then it wires up a flow for them, and then mm -hmm. they can put their pre-canned messages in FileMaker records, and those can get pushed over to their uh, Claris Connect flow, and basically just make it one button easy for people to use Claris Connect within FileMaker. So, That'd be cool. Yup. So that's our integration slide. Um, what's the next slide they have? Emerging tech, and they're just listing the same stuff. That that's right at about uh, twenty four, twenty six. So what's your take on Core ML? Um, Core ML, you're gonna need to get into it. I mean, anything that we're having to add to FileMaker, you have to jump into the API. But Core ML is just uh, machine learning and What's nice is I believe CoreML, it's not going out and going server-side. So you're is able gonna... to do some analysis on the device because the device has enough uh, processing power. 
Right. I just I'm wondering if it's going to be something that we're going to be able to access as mere mortals, like how how much we can really do. That's what's I'm that's what I'm really curious to see, because the demos they've shown have been pretty awesome. But I don't know how much genius went behind the scenes to wire it up, you know? Yeah, it'll always filter down. I mean, look at what they're going to do. If JavaScript is something that a lot of FileMaker developers don't want to fully learn and get into. Mm hmm. They will abstract that such that you will, within your comfortable FileMaker UI, be able to use it underneath the hood by just supplying configuration parameters. So, for example, core ML. Um, you've got a scenario where somebody says, you know, uh, file. they've got the FileMaker app open. They say, uh, find all of my pictures of blue pumps. That's what it's able to do is on the phone probably go through of your FileMaker photos that are in the FileMaker database, not the actual photo app on the phone, or you could do either, I guess. You would be, it would be able to bring up a listing of all of those pumps that have blue on them somewhere. Maybe mm -hmm. it does the, you know, it does, runs your script that does the find or something like that. Um, it's just what you're able to do with the extent of machine learning. I haven't gone super in depth with it, but they'll abstract it. They'll make it easy for us to, to access. Yeah, okay. Chatbots. That's that's <laughs> interesting. It's on there. There must be a demand for it. <laughs> it makes sense. Chatbots, analytics. This is all listed under their emerging tech, by the way. This isn't stuff that yeah. is uh, specifically on their roadmap. Although Siri uh, shortcuts uh, on iOS, that's a given. They're putting that in. Yeah. Analytics and reporting, that's all available to us. You can use Tableau. Um, I like that. You can extend third-party. Well, that's reporting. Analytics, I think, is kind of different. I, to me, that seems like it's maybe, I guess I'm not really sure if it's analytics on, like, what's going on with the FileMaker data, or it's just adding analytics capabilities into your into the database for clients to use. I would think it was, they're probably referring to the increase. And these are all buzzwords, by the way. So yeah. how they integrate uh, functionality into these. And they, when they list them here, they didn't go into details or specifics as far as I remember. Uh, yeah, it could be either. Then we get next slide, miscellaneous, and a patch tool, macOS dark mode support. And the data API response size included in the log. I haven't actually worked a whole lot with the logs. I mean, when I need to, I go into them, but I know that other people who have much larger clients do. Um, yeah, we work on the logs a lot, but not so much on the data API log size. I'm not sure if that's what that's talking about or some other things. Yeah, no, um, it's talking specifically about the data API where uh, when you make requests... Um, obviously, you've got your however many gigabyte limit. What is it, 72 gigabytes or something like that? Uh, annual on the data yeah. API usage. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can to buy be able to, more. To be able to, as, as part of your request, limit the size. So if you have a request that says, oh, go ahead and give me all billion records. and um, Or just know what you use. Or if you're right. managing multiple clients, you can then start to bill your clients based on their usage of the, da uh, the data API. Right. So it's just a metric, another a data point that you can use. But that patch tool, that's uh, so there, they, they are mentioning that. So that right. basically 
is the fact that this XML that they've been working on actually for the previous, mm-hmm. what has it been, three versions or four, maybe four versions back when they uh, uh, first started showing it, you mean? Well, to ETS, yeah, they yeah. made it announced, but then this recent version is the first time, I think 18 is the first time That's that shipping. they publicly said, yeah, we've uh, been working on this massive XML representation of everything, which mm-hmm. allows us to apply patches. Right. And add-ons. Uh, I mean, pretty much anything. Any well, collection they ship, they ship of stuff. one small part of it right now, so that one part of it's there. Exactly. Being able to export, right. But, um, but yeah, the, the rest of it, yeah, this is that's if there's another thing that actually might deserve applause, don't push the button. It might be this <laughs> because the the implication of this one, which is super exciting to me, is you'd be able to ship a file to a client that has new layouts, new scripts, new code, and they can just append it and modify their whole database when and all their data stays in place. Potentially even ship them a file that that brings in a couple of new tables pre-populated with data. I don't think it'll necessarily have data because it's a schema thing, but they could. Maybe you right, could supply right them that, with data. You could supply somebody with a patch file and a data file, and they right. could patch and then suck in the data as well. But, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, the cool thing is, that makes um, more sense. If I have, like, I just shot a video about um, a, a JavaScript calendar, which is absolutely awesome. It's called Full Calendar, and it's commercially free. Um, hmm. I will not build a calendar into FileMaker. I will just use this JavaScript calendar. If I was talking with you and I said, hey, Matt, there's this really cool uh, full calendar, and I need to get you the scripts, the fields, the tables, the custom functions, and the uh, JavaScript layout ob- or the, the layout objects, I uh-huh. just send you one little file, you double-click it, and it just uh, adds it to your database. You choose yeah. the database, and boom, and you're looking at it as we're talking here in Skype, I put it into the yeah. chat, and we are now looking at the same functionality. Yes, please, I want that. <laughs> that is that is what's coming. That's what's coming, and, and that's something I've known that they've been trying to do for a while. So now here it is on a slide uh, as part of what they're intending to do. So not in the next release. Um, the next release is actually the next slide. Um, but as some future technology that they're working on. Um, so in the next release... They're adding support for Catalina. Don't they have that now, or yeah. are they going to require it? You think? No, Catalina they, or Mojave. This is this is just what they're saying. They're supporting. So obviously, if you're uh, High Sierra, then that probably they're only listing Catalina and Mojave. So ten fifteen and ten fourteen. So mm-hmm. get off Windows, High Sierra because they won't be supporting it. Yep. And same for uh, FileMaker Server on Mac, and they've got uh, Windows Server two thousand nineteen data. These are just all their uh, listings of what they are going to support in the next release. Windows Server 2016 Data Center and Standard Editions. Oh. With desktop experience. So one of the other things I was kind of hoping for is the Data Center Edition, or the, the version of Windows Server that doesn't have a UI, that doesn't have a desktop experience, ah. which uses way less RAM. Yep. And AWS offers that. Um, and I think they're... I don't know. I was geeking out with some with a couple people saying that there would theoretically be a way to install FileMaker Server in that environment. It's certainly not supported, but it's interesting because again, save money, increase reliability by having less stuff running. I've got a great idea for you, Linux. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. 
Oh, FileMaker Go. Poor FileMaker Go. They are just limiting us on that one, though. iOS, you have to be on iOS 13. That's probably because of Core ML, though, or something. Yeah, I got to think. I'm trying to think of, like, how many iPads I have that won't run iOS 13. I know, like, the the original Mini or the Mini 2 and definitely the original iPads. Yeah. Most of my recent ones will. We try to keep a, a wide array. So they've got WebDirect and Cloud in there, but people can yeah, check so that one out. Just interestingly, Safari, desktop Edge, browsers yeah, still doesn't include Firefox, even though Firefox has had a complete rewrite and is now probably uh, HTML5 compatible as, Fire, as um, huh, Safari, Safari, Edge, or Chrome, I would think, wouldn't you? I don't know. I haven't actually installed uh, Firefox for a couple of years now. I used also, to use it exclusively. Importantly, Firefox is on the rise in Again? usage, I believe. Yes. Wow. It's still it's still, you know, what, 10, 12 percent, something like that? I'm not sure about these numbers are right, but it's um it's strong. It's a significant percent. So if you want to like have a public application, um there's definitely gonna be a significant number of people using Firefox. So I would hope that they would get religion and support it as well. <laughs> well, we'll see. It looks like they've yeah. given themselves a nice workload as it is. It's true. Oh, so uh, next one. I'm at uh, about 31 minutes in. Their support policy updates. Um, this just goes with the fact that, you know, if JavaScript and the rest of the world moves that fast, they're going to move just as fast and there's not that much of a change. They're always they've always been supporting two behind, two behind whatever the current is. Um, mm-hmm. They are going to be doing a more frequent uh, product release cycles, so they're going from annual to um, I don't know if it becomes biannual or quarterly. But uh, they've got obviously they're going to have multiple products now. It's not just going to be FileMaker, so you'll have right. intermingled release uh, time frames. Yeah, the other pretty big announcement was that like if you have a single use version or like a single purchase uh, FileMaker, not a multi, not a volume license that you're not going to be able to get new versions. You're going to have to kind of buy it new every time. That's been kind of clear, but I think they've come out and said it now. Yeah. Well, everybody wants so that the, recurring cloud money. Right. It, it really makes sense. I mean, uh, from a business perspective, it really makes sense for clients to just have the annual subscription and always have access to the current version. If FileMaker is really an imp- important part of the um, of running the company, to me that's a really obvious value proposition when I meet with clients. You know, there's, there's the new version, the new features that come out every year, the added security, and the other little small increments that happen for such a small price per year for a company that's using FileMaker to run their operation significantly. It just seems like it's a it's definitely a good way to do it rather than like uh, some a small number of our customers buy like uh, perpetual licenses once every five years or something. Yeah, they, no, I mean they, that's it's much more problematic for those for that model that approach. Yeah, anyway, I think again, I think more. I saw a tweet on uh, Twitter the other day. Somebody was lamenting the fact that they had to go back to FileMaker 11 <laughs> to help a client, and I'm like, yeah. I would not do that. <laughs> yeah. That's just painful. Yeah. I don't even know what you... I think you pretty much take away everything that I'm used to now if you went it's back kinda, to FileMaker 11. 
Yeah, there. That's true. It's kind of funny though if you try to do it. <laughs> Imagine like eight or. I'm I'm not even running five. old VMs in order to go back that far, but I know people who do. Um, let's see. Uh, additional update. Uh, technology removal is at about thirty-two minutes in. Um, end of life. So this is a key one. If you are using FileMaker currently and you have built your business upon having a runtime, be prepared to stop at 18 because mm -hmm. that's that's all she wrote. I think they are ripping it out and uh, the next version, whatever it's called, will not have the ability to bind FileMaker to your database and make a runtime. Um, I know there are a number of people who have been in that situation yep. and it, it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was nice to be able to do that, but that's just not the company that FileMaker is. They're not like a, uh, what is it? Zoho. They're not a dev environment where you can compile and deploy. Right. Um, let's see what's next on our slide. Additional updates. I'm right at about 34 minutes in simplified licensing model. Isn't that sort of funny? Consistent across cloud and on premises. I have to be honest. FileMaker is one of the only companies that has had the most confusing licensing that of any software company I've ever been involved mm -hmm. with. I can't say it's a whole lot, but they had like, what do they have? Five or five or six different options, and then within those options, you have multiple options. Right. A little hard. Just just start with like define a user. <laughs> define a connection. Oh, yeah, I don't know I like if it, I have five yeah. of them. I know, but now they've got like regular users, shift workers, anonymous users. Those that I love that they have a slide that lists those three because those are the tricky ones, right? Like we have a client, you know, frequently they, they this this comes up. I don't know, most of the time with clients trying to define what counts as a seat if they buy five users. <laughs> you know, can they have these public users out there with something? You know, can they have one person log on with their iPad and computer at the same time? You know, questions like that. I, Hopefully that's going to be better. Uh, I hope so. I was waiting for them to add like a fingerprint reader. And basically each time the person sat down at a computer, you had to run your fingerprint like, oh, yeah, that's a charge for us. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad that they're still trying to get it right. Oh, let's see. Additional. There we go. Oh, there we go. Towards the end, join us in the journey. They want everybody to... Uh, Build new digital experiences with Claris Connect. There's that call out to developers again. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, they want you to migrate to FileMaker Cloud. Plan the journey. There are just going to be so many people they need to understand. They're not, they're not shying away from the fact that they have to still support on-prem, but their marketing message has been loud and clear. Go to the cloud, go to the cloud, go mm -hmm. to the cloud. Uh, that's just FileMaker. Most of FileMaker is, you know, I want control over my data. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the uh, on-premises. Yeah, question. well, I, I, there's that. But I think actually most people are going to be working with a hosting company and having their database hosted until FileMaker Cloud is on parity with that, which it isn't right now. Stay um, current so with the latest release. Yeah, that one I'm 100% on board with. Yep. And the marketplace I'm 100% on board with. Yep, that marketplace, that's where you're going to be able to go download those little components and just put them in. Now, here, we got to discuss this, though. 
This mm-hmm. is the one thing that happens to every marketplace, no matter what. So you've got the introduction of a marketplace. Let's let's pull straight from the um, the app store. You've got early developers that create really cool apps based on the brand new technology. They work. They get like first mover advantage, and then comes all the me too's. You, then you've got this workload issue of curation, and you have to curate this. And how do you how do you curate something without playing favorites? Oh well, how come this guy gets a higher listing than I do? Oh, because he chose the letter mm-hmm. A instead of the letter Z. Okay, well we'll put, we'll put in star ratings. Okay, now we've got star ratings. Oh wait, well how come this guy is paying right. somebody over in a foreign country to give him <laughs> to give him a hundred star ratings and bolster this crappy app versus my better looking app? Uh, how are they going yeah. to deal with this? Because that exists in every marketplace. Yeah, yeah. I will, I'll be interested to see uh, what happens if we end up with this glut of. At FileMaker add-ons, and the one thing that they're probably going to be concerned about is we don't want FileMaker to look bad, so we can't have the crappy stuff filter up to the top. And that's work for them now. They're going to have to actually uh, start to do that, and then you're worried about the fairness factor. uh, I'll leave that to them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do know that we have some apps in the marketplace, and more are coming. It's definitely important. I think you're going to find you're going there's going to be some third parties uh, that are going to try to do that. There's going to be some review sites. I bet you people are going to right now, they're going to go register that domain filemakeraddonreviews.com. <laughs> and I just gave it to you. <laughs> yeah, you did. Claris Engage aka FileMaker DevCon. Going to go. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love Nashville. I really do. I am interested. And the Gaylord Opryland, pretty close into the city. I'm trying to remember, just a few minutes away from downtown, I think. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them a suggestion, anyone who's from FileMaker and you're listening. So you've got all these people. They're all FileMaker developers, most of them, and they've been going to FileMaker DevCons for a long time. They show up to Claris Engage. They've got FileMaker. There's new stuff in FileMaker. There's new stuff with the new Claris applications, such as Claris Connect. Have something that you've kept close at hand, and you release it, and, you're, and everybody's like, whoa! <laughs> Some crazy tech. Like, oh, it's here. It's the FileMaker new client, or who knows, all this other stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's exciting. The do you feel the the sense of rejuvenation in the company? Like, I don't know. For me, when I Brad in particular, mm-hmm. he just seems younger and more hip. Nothing against Dominique. I've been in FileMaker for a long time since even before Fi- Dominique was president of FileMaker. Yeah, yeah me too. I was what was it? Julian, not Giuliano. Um, I forget his last name started with a G or something before Dominique. And now it just seems like it just seems like a younger, more hip company to me, which I like. Yeah, it's definitely very changed. I think the priorities have aligned very differently. Uh, Well, they're more in line with what the rest of the tech world does. That's clearly true. I mean, just based on the slides we just looked at, it is incontrovertible that they're that they're 
on board with what the rest of the industry is doing. And I much more so than than in the past. I hope it benefits them. I hope they're able yeah. to achieve their uh, objectives. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, and, and also I really believe that their goals are much bigger than they've been in the past. So they're kind of at a gear changing, you know, they're they're definitely accelerating. Yeah, the one thing that we don't know uh, is for whatever they've FileMaker as a company as a whole has been reducing in headcount for like the past 10 years. They will continue to say we are profitable, we're profitable, we're profitable, and any company can say that they're profitable if they cut enough of their expenses. They can still be profitable. So if you have to let people go, when your human resources are your most expensive, you can still say you're profitable if you yeah. did it before the, before the end of the year. And you're like, yeah, look, here, we don't have this much overhead anymore. We're profitable. Right. But if they do have this nice transition and the money starts to come in and you see uh headcount increase as well as a result of that uh, growth in revenue that's you know that's when everybody is like yeah 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 i want to be part of this you know movement it's moving forward and it's growing and that's what people like so that's what i'm interested to see is you know are these things going to work and i hope they do No thoughts. <laughs> no, I'm I'm, I'm pondering it deeply. Uh, I I actually I do think that there's going to be positive change, but I don't want to be just a total rah rah. You know, I have some pom poms around here somewhere to cheer you on, but uh, <laughs> um, and to cheer on FileMaker. I don't know. I, I mostly what I really care about is the quality of the product and it, and that it's moving in the right direction, and it super clearly is. Well, um, there's a, a, a few things that are especially I, one of them that we talked about just a little bit ago that I'm super excited about that you're a little less or a little you know dubious about is switching the development environment over to a browser. Well, I'm I'm all for it. In fact, it's it gives them exposure to <clears throat> more people if they if their whole client environment the whole if the whole dev environment ends up being JavaScript. In the long run, that is a massive gain for them. Because yeah. there's there's tons of people out there that they already know JavaScript. They're familiar. They use it. And they could mm -hmm. drop right into the environment. But the difficulty that I have is the transition period where most of your market, if you've got, uh, you know, I hate to, I hate to reference uh, these guys, but... Go listen to like the first or the second podcast from Fireside FileMaker. And these are guys that they use mm -hmm. FileMaker and they they love FileMaker. They've been using it for decades, but they don't want to touch JavaScript. If that represents a significant percentage of the FileMaker developers currently out there, what's the what's the financial impact? Where you've got people that are afraid of learning or picking up JavaScript, and they're just like, "Nope, I'm going to drop this. I need to go find something else." But what are yeah. they going to find? I guess I give you that on. I don't know. So my take on that is this: there, there was a lot of other technologies, a lot of other things, maybe not as complex as JavaScript. JSON is actually a really good example. That and execute SQL. Those are things that FileMaker developers didn't have to know anything about five years ago. Well, maybe longer than that. Um, and now those are built into the application and they provide really significant, useful abilities 
that you can use every day for a ton of things. And so I've got I've completely got religion, especially about using JSON for everything. I love hearing that. <laughs> and and I, I don't think JavaScript is going to be any different for me and the other developers here. It's just a, a little you know higher bar. But I think it's going to be the same thing. I'm I, I'm not an expert at JavaScript. I don't really work with it that much now. We definitely have people on staff that do. But um, I guess my point is, even for old older developers who are more um, used to the way things have been a FileMaker, we are going to learn the new technologies when there's when it's so the benefits are so obvious, like they are with with JSON. And I, you know, when they abstract enough of it, the um, the the way that promises work and the asynchronous versus synchronous model and everything mm-hmm. underneath, they'll abstract, I think, enough of it that they'll make it comfortable so that you can just get in and know enough from an implementation standpoint. Yeah. And uh, that's the way that it's always been for a lot of us that are developers. We typically end up standing on the shoulders of giants. The people that make the core technology underneath they make the technology, they then document it. If the documentation is good and you can understand how to use it, you didn't have to be able to write the JavaScript that made it happen. You just have to be able to get it into your file mm-hmm. and in your solution. So Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So go forth and learn JavaScript. Spend so time I, with it now. The video is actually like 35 minutes and then has a bunch of Q&A. We've actually now exceeded the entire... <laughs> I was going to say, I was looking at our timestamp and we're at 54 <laughs> minutes and we're telling people, don't go watch a 55-minute video. <laughs> oh, well. But they like hearing us ponder about these things, Who knows? hopefully. And, they, and plus, you can listen to us while you're driving from place to place. Watching a YouTube video, not such a good idea for that. And even listen to it, I mean, and just, uh, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. Yep. I like talking about the, uh, what's going to be cool type of stuff. So next, next time when we talk, and we now have calendar appointments to record regularly, so we're going to be on task, I want to talk to you about this crazy idea that I have about a reduced set of tools. I'm I told you about like it. a piece of music. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, as a composer writing classical music, some of the ideas that I have of, of using a, a much reduced array of sounds and notes and features and music is super complex, right? You have all these things you could use to write a song, but you can also use, you know, you can use any subset of them. You could, you could intentionally limit your choice of tools to get a better result. That's the subject that I want to talk to you about. Well, here's what I have to say. Don't get our listeners too excited right now. Because <laughs> they want us to keep going. <laughs> anyway, but saying it out loud makes a lot of people to, to bug us. And we did get a few emails, by the way, which was nice from the last episode. People you sent emails it? to. I, did you not? I thought you did. Mattafilemakertalk.com. To be honest, I am so bad with email. I think I only go into my email once a day now in order to check. I gave up on uh, Inbox Zero like years and years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm terrible it's with email. Yeah. All right, no worries. I'll well, check we them do out. get them. Please send them, people. Yeah, send them in. If Matt's getting them, then this Matt will uh, hear from him, and we'll check them out. Okay. So next time we can open with the responses, and then get right into that. Reduce set. <laughs> All right. Have an excellent day, sir. 
All right, buddy, you too. Always awesome talking. All right. <laughs>